walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. We're the boys. We're the boys. The nasty boys. Oh, yeah. We're the. Oh, oh hey. <laughs> Didn't see you there. <laughs> Howdy, folks! Welcome to the Ape. Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, aka the hardest part of the ring. And good golly, we got some WCW for you today. Slambury 1995, a Legends reunion. Man, oh man, this is the uh, this is the first pay per view of WCW that I've done two of. Fun fact. <laughs> well, uh, a fact, at least. Made it a full year doing this shit somehow. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Johnny B. Bad didn't scare me away too much, I guess. But uh, yes, Slambury 95 was a show that happened. Now, if you listened to my last WCW episode, Uncensored 95, which, by the way, you could find... That episode and all episodes at apronbump.com. You can even filter to WCW if you uh, want to listen to me bash my head on my table every single time I try to cover this shit. But I say that and because look, man, WCW here in the beginning of the summer of 95, they're coming off of one of the most dumpster fire pay-per-views I've ever seen in my life uncensored 1995 why was it a dumpster fire well you can listen to the full episode but all but just in general just terrible gimmick matches no titles on the line terrible characters terrible promos the renegade making his debut like there's so much no logic boring match like it was it was all around bad right so let me just paint a picture for you here so I'm I get finished watching Uncensored. By the way, the main event of that show was Hulk Hogan versus Vader in a strap match. Which by the way, Hogan wins, and it's not for the title. But Hogan wins by taking the strap off of Vader, putting it on Ric Flair. He touches the corners with Flair on it, but Flair's not even in WCW at this point. And he's not attached to Vader, who he was facing. And then he got Renegade running around ringside like an asshole. Lots of bullshit in the main event from Uncensored. Really just to as an avenue to get to the Monster Maniacs, which they're now called. It was just an avenue to have Hogan 
Macho Man, Renegade, and Jimmy Hart in the ring celebrating just to have a picture for the newspaper tomorrow morning. Much like WrestleMania 11, another recent episode of mine, which we're off the heels of WrestleMania 11 just a few weeks after that. And uh, another god-awful pay-per-view. So wrestling is just in a bad place in 95. But point is, I got finished watching Uncensored, and I'm drained from it because it was just an awful pay-per-view, a long pay-per-view, it felt like. I'm like, hey, let me take a gander at the next card. Let, let, let me take a gander at Slam Slambury 95 and see if that card looks any better. And I pull it up, and I see the main event is a tag team match consisting of those gentlemen that were just in the main event. So we got Macho Man and Hogan versus Flair and Vader. And then you got Renegade ringside. You got Arn Anderson ringside. And I look at it and I'm like, God fucking God damn it. More of this shit. I was not happy. But the beauty of my podcast, at least the way I format it, is that it's generally, you know, at least like a month, month and a half in between me watching shows in a particular timeline. So by the time I got to Slamboree and watching it, I, I had a clear head. I was I was optimistic, watching it with an open mind, right? And I watched Slamboree, and this show was fucking not as bad as I thought it would be. It was actually a, a pretty good show. Honestly, probably one of the better, <laughs> amazingly, one of the better WCW shows that I've watched thus far. I don't know if it's the low expectations or what it is, but we got some good wrestling on this show. We had some fun matches. Even the promos weren't as bad as they typically are, even though this <laughs> the mid-90s tropes are riddled all over the show. And believe me, we get into it on the podcast. But just in general, this show was just paced very well. It didn't feel like it dragged. The matches didn't feel like a chore to get through like they typically do with these WCW shows. Paced very well, this show, so... But it's not all great. Don't worry. There's still plenty of. Uh... Fuck, man. Kevin Sullivan, dude. I'm so sick of Kevin. Fuck Kevin Sullivan, dude. Sorry, I just had to yell that. Sometimes you just got to yell things. But yeah, this show. I talked about what the main event is. Uh, we get some interesting, I guess is the word, interesting legends matches on this show with guys that you wouldn't think be uh wrestling each other especially in 1995 uh we get arn anderson versus alex wright which uh sounds like a barn burner to me uh we get cody rhodes is on the show of course uh oh we get the seeds being planted for the dungeon of doom <laughs> fuck <laughs> Oh, boy, the Dungeon of Doom is something that I have not experienced yet, at least not in, in, in to, uh, to a great extent. So uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, tag along in the journey with me, will you? Because uh, fuck, man, the Dungeon of Doom. Get a big debut here, a big debut on this show as well regarding that. Uh, some may say a giant debut. Lots of shenanigans, as always, with these WCW shows. And joining me on this show is Bishop from the Terrible Wrestling Takes podcast. Uh, really, really entertaining podcast from Bishop. Not only his own wrestling takes that he gives, but others he breaks down 
the first one I listened to was this Eva Marie episode, which was uh, dropped a few weeks ago, basically calling out. He basically had clips from another podcast and it was like breaking down their uh, their terrible wrestling takes in regards to the Eva Marie storyline. And uh, he's done more recent ones on the, the whole Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair, like shoot fight deal. Uh, the state of NXT, so much more from Bishop, a really, really unique take on wrestling and a really unique uh, kind of format for a podcast, which is generally what I look look into or is generally what I look for when it comes to wrestling podcasts, because they can kind of blend together. But Bishop does a good job at differentiating himself. Uh, so go check him out at TWTakesPodcast.com. Follow him at TWTakesPodcast on Twitter. All that info in the description. We have a good old time talking about WCW in this episode. So let's get into it. WCW Slambury 1995 with myself and Bishop from the Terrible Wrestling Takes podcast. Are all my things good? Can you hear me good? Yeah. Camera's looking, cool. looking beautiful, sounding right. beautiful. That's all I asked for. Awesome. <laughs> well, so, nice to meet you, man. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. I know we've been talking for a while. Uh, glad to finally get you on here. Big fan of your podcast as well. So I appreciate uh, you for making the time. Thank you. Uh, watching the show, you know, taking the time to watch Wahoo McDaniel wrestle in 1995. So uh, you're providing a service and I appreciate oh, yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess first off, were you uh, were you watching WCW or were you watching wrestling at all during this time period when it was live? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. WCW. Were you like a WCW guy or? I was definitely WWE guy. Uh, yeah. F, of course. Um, big blockbuster. Go get the old WrestleMania kid mm. at the time. I was 10. So it was definitely the entertainment of the times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I watched a, a ton of wrestling and WCW only came into my. I, I honestly, I don't even know how I got stuck into wcw but i remember stuff like this so i, right. I don't know if it was you know illegal black box pay-per-views <laughs> yeah. or if we ended up res- uh you know oh well that's hulk hogan but that doesn't look like wwf you know and rented that video yeah so i'm not really sure yeah i've always wondered because i mean i was only like three years old at the time so i obviously wasn't you know in tune with it live but like as you're watching live because you're 10 years old so that's like peak fandom for as far as being a wrestling fan goes when like you saw hogan come over macho man come over and and then in a few months we get luger like in two or three months from now was that like something that you like remember vividly or was it just like oh it's just wrestling on tv um i think more or less just wrestling on tv i know it was different i i know something felt different especially the studio shows like mm-hmm. I didn't think of it. So we're a big sports family, too. And even back then, like free agency wasn't that big. But I remember, you know, I, yeah, like nobody really changed teams. So mm-hmm. I, to compare it to anything, I just think it was. Yeah, I think it was just wrestling on TV. It wasn't even a company thing. Not not when I was that young. Right. Yeah. Cause we're really just the big, at the beginning of like the, uh, well, it's not the Monday night wars yet, but we're about like three or four months away from nitro, uh, kicking off. So it's definitely like a kind of an in-between period, I think. Um, but you know, just kind of to set the scene here. So slambery 95, I think this is in like April sometime. 
Um, so like I said, Hogan just can't really, I guess it's, you know, been a few months at this point, but Hogan's there, uh, macho man recently debuted. So, and so the last show, uh, uncensored the closing moments you had like Hogan, macho man, Jimmy Hart, uh, renegade who's, you know, ultimate warrior cosplayer. So <laughs> they were definitely in this mode where we're like, okay, we got all the former WWF guys. So this, this is how we're going to get more to compete with them. Um, you can see that in the main event. Like I looked at the card and kind of rolled my eyes at the main event, but like <laughs> all, all the, I'm honestly though, the main event might've been my match of the night. I mean, we'll get into it, you know, later in the show, but this whole, that actually this show as a whole, I was very surprised with how good it was. How, yeah, how did you feel about it over overall? What were your overall thoughts on it? I, I remember, I don't know. I didn't know if I got a chance to, I, I remember, you know what? Yeah. I DM'd you and I was like, dude, did you watch it? And you're like, no, I'm going to watch. It was either the next day or the day after. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it, it just had no business being this good. Yeah. It was odd. No. It was, um, it had like a good energy to it, which in past shows, like, I, I don't, you don't bother watching Uncensored 95 or, you know, whatever the shows before that. But they all were just like, like every match, it'd be, you know, you have a heel and a baby face. Uh, the baby face would start out hot and then the heel would lock in a headlock for 10 minutes. And then the face would you know fire up and then there'd be another rest hold and then it'd be the finish. Right. And it was just like there was no like it was very formulaic, lacking energy. Um, but this show, it felt like they were like snap, even like from the beginning. So which we'll get into. But like just to further set the scene here, there's also which I didn't really realize until they brought it up in the show that this is right after the whole collision in Korea thing i don't know if you got did you check out that dark side of the ring i didn't no no i didn't it's uh it's a good watch i mean it's basically like or do you know anything about that I've whole situation heard, i i've heard but i yeah i don't know i watched enough wrestling i wasn't gonna dive into it. <laughs> yeah just to put it generally so it's you know, it was uh kind of a collaboration between wcw and new japan and they all met and I'm, I'm gonna butcher the name it's like pyongyang north korea um, and it's, I think to this day, it's the record like attendance for a wrestling show, which is like 190,000 people. And like Muhammad Ali was there. It, it was this huge thing. It was like Ric Flair versus Anoki. It was a two night wrestling event, but it was like notorious. I mean, it's North Korea. So you can imagine the travel, uh, the hotels and like how strict right. they were. And like it was, everybody was on pins and needles. Um, but the show is right after that, which is pretty interesting. But yeah. Other than that, man, uh, the show kicks off and right away, that energy that I brought up, you know, because in previous shows, the show would start and it would cut to the commentary and commentary would talk for like fucking 10, 15 minutes. You know, you, you want to get into the show. You want the, the pyro, the crowd. You want to get into the action. But um, previous shows haven't been like that. It's been a really weird energy. And this one was still kind of weird, too, but in a different way. So first of all, Eric Bischoff is on commentary, which typically Tony Schiavone is, but I guess he had had neck surgery, so he wasn't there. So I think this is, I could be wrong, but I think this is Eric Bischoff's first uh, time commentating a pay-per-view, which is uh, was pretty fun in hindsight. Um, but uh, yeah, the show, it's like, there's no like pyro. It, it felt like I was walking in, like in the middle of a show. When, when, <laughs> when I, when, I don't know if you got that kind of feel. It's like there, the crowd was just kind of like, it felt like a, like a banquet almost. But uh, they didn't lollygag as much as they usually do. And then that brings us to the opening match. So we got the tag team titles on the line. Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys. 
You a big fan of the Nasty Boys? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's incredible looking back on it how a couple things, right? They steer into the skit. They call themselves the Nasty Boys, and yeah. anything they can do that was nasty got the crowd to go insane. And, Pity City. Yo, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, like, all the nut shots and, and things like that. Like, anything that looked like it was about to cross the line, you know, they were completely over with. I mean, mm-hmm. the, that was the first thing I wrote down. The Nasty Boys are fucking over. They, they are. are. The yeah. crowd absolutely loves them. And it only, they, they only love them more as the match goes on. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm quickly, because the Nasty Boys are before my time. Mm-hmm. But in rewatching this, the, this era, like, I'm quickly becoming a big fan of the Nasty Boys. I don't know what it is, but they, like you said, they're, they're super over. Um, and think about it. Of, the, of that time, you're, you're at the tail end of the punk rock era where mm-hmm. leather jackets and uh, all, the, all the colors. Like, I remember being a kid, and I'll never forget it, this... This guy was wearing a leather jacket. He had this giant green mohawk spiked in like, you know, a couple different spots. Right. But that's that's what it was back then. You know, it was it was bright colors and leather. And because uh, they, they used to wear, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure you saw a pay-per-view or two where they were wearing like the long leather trench coats, too. Yep. Um, you know, all decked out and stuff. So, yeah, Nasty Boys were definitely for the kids of the time. Um, and, and I was I was definitely a fan. Yeah, they were cool as shit, man. Um, and, and at this point, the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat have had a pretty long rivalry. They've had matches on what seems like three or four pay-per-views in a row. Uh, but apparently, this is the last opportunity for the Nasty Boys. So the Harlem Heat are champs here. Uh, so if the Nasties don't win, that's their last shot, basically. And I don't know if it was on the pre-show or what happened, but I guess Brian Nobbs got attacked backstage by the Harlem Heat. So uh, the Harlem Heat come out, and then uh, Jerry Sags comes out by himself. So it's a pretty much a handicap match for like ninety percent of this match. Um, and before we get to the match, I just gotta say, sensational Sherry or Sister Sherry at this point, she's fucking great. Mm. Do you agree? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we we talk about managers and um, you know advocates or whatever you want to say. Um, we, we never mention her enough. She is, and that's another thing I wrote down. Um, She's the GOAT. I mean, when it comes down to being a manager, of course, Bobby Heenan and all that, too, I I get it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we we all overestimate GOATs now anyway. Um, She is never afraid to speak. She has the, I mean, every time she talks, it matters. She has no problem getting beat up. I mean... (laughs) Well, was Not it at all. was it uh, was one of the episodes I was listening to you and um, you guys were talking about, oh, um, they were cheering for Sherry to get punched in the face and then right. she gets punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the 90s. Uh, just, you know, everybody's having fun, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Sherry's awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. She's like. <laughs> borderline psychotic when she walks out there with her eyes just like wide open like she has like a like a believability factor behind her where like you believe everything she says everything she does like she's just got it's like this this it blended so well weirdly with the harlem heat you wouldn't yeah. think it would it would but it did so let me ask you a question real quick i yeah. i found this out later on um they're both from houston 
isn't Houston Heat a pretty cool name too? You would, th- but you know that would confuse the people. You know, you got <laughs> two brothers from Houston. I don't even know if they allow them there in '95. So. <laughs> No, no, no. You, you, you can't gotta, have you black gotta, dudes from Texas in '95. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. And everyone from New York is black, also. So yeah, you know, right. So. Except for, <laughs> except for the Nasty Boys, they are built from the streets of New York City. So they are from everywhere in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> they just run the streets. They're yeah, nasty. the entire streets of New York City. <laughs> They're the boys. Yeah. They're the boys. That's how they got nasty. <laughs> nasty. Yeah. The whole thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this match. I mean, this show is perfect match to kick off the show. It started off hot, absolutely. Uh, Sags, you know, it's a two on one situation, but Sags kind of catches them by surprise. He's clotheslining them both. He hits a double DDT, just he, he clotheslines Booker T, and he does the whole Rikishi bump where he just does like five spins in the air. And then uh, <laughs> we brought it up earlier, but Sherry's on the apron. And then uh, Sags grabs her by the by the hair. Is like, hey, every, does everybody here want me to punch this woman? <laughs> and everybody in the in the arena is like, hell yeah, we want you to punch that woman. <laughs> and he just clocks her in the because nowadays you might see that, but they don't actually follow through. But oh boy, right. did Jerry Sags follow through here? Um, knocked her off the apron. Uh, and then uh, eventually the Harlem Heat boys they finally uh, they cut off Sags. Uh, they beat on him for a little bit. A beautiful Houston hangover from Booker T. I really wish he would have like incorporated that more. I guess you, you can only do that so much before your your hips just dissolve yeah. from underneath you. But uh, really good shit there. Uh, but Sags is able to hit a pile driver kind of out of desperation. And this is what brings out Brian Nobbs, which it's funny because <laughs> they so at no point do they show Nobbs backstage beat up. There, but the commentary is basically uh, providing commentary on what's happening backstage. They say that knobs, the, the, the hallway's closed off to check on knobs. And then <laughs> a five minutes pass, and they're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm getting word. Bobby Heen's like, oh, I'm getting word that uh, Nobbs, uh, he he beat the shit out of five medical staff, and he, he, he ran out of here without, you know, disregarding them or whatever. So, but knobs comes out, uh, gets the hot tag, and the crowd just goes ape shit. You know, Brian Nobbs. Beating up everybody, uh, toss, tossing everybody out of the ring. And then Sherry, who is working her ass off in this match, gets to the top rope, uh, tries to do like a cross body on the knobs, I guess. But knobs catches her and just power slams the holy bejesus out of her. Almost drove her through the ring. Um, and then <laughs> he picks her up and tosses her onto Stevie Ray, who's on the outside. And then on the inside of the ring, knobs uh, gives Booker T a power slam. And then Jerry Sags from the top rope with an elbow drop. And that gives the Nasty Boys the win and new tag team champions. I loved I loved every bit of this. What about you? It's the again, they had the crowd hooked from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And when Nobbs comes out hobbling down the ring, the only time he sold the ribs, by the way, was when he was <laughs> coming down to the ring. Whatever right. that fucking my ribs hurt run was, um, was phenomenal because the crowd ate it the fuck up. And then doing the um you know the hot tag run along the ropes the crowd was going crazy they wanted him in big time um Mm. yeah i mean that's to start the show off to bring that kind of energy outstanding absolutely outstanding yep yep and it didn't stay too long it was just as long as it needed to be and then um so the nasty boys win and they go so what do you think about the promos on this show well let me tell you something eric (laughs) 
Eric Bischoff. <laughs> that, that, that was Nobbs' breath catcher. Man, he couldn't. He's like, so Dude, let me tell you something. <laughs> Eric Bischoff. <laughs> that's that's the classic mid-90s promo. They, it, promos were cliche. But they you honestly, see? they were they were cliche for a reason. Because um, they fucking worked. And they were, yeah. were hot-miked into the audience. So when he said St. Petersburg, Florida, they go up a little bit more. I mean, they they knew what they mm-hmm. were doing, man. The nasty boys were they're legit, man. I mean, I I always forget about them when I talk about top tag teams of all time. But if as a gimmick and success and the crowd, I mean, they got to be top ten, top twenty. Um, you know, sure. off of their off of their just watch that performance alone, and you can see if if they sustained any of that for a period of time, they would be up there. Um, but I did point out one thing too. Because a lot of people nowadays get so pissed off when the champions make the challenge to the next contenders. The Nasty Boys did that after this match. This shit's been happening for at least 16 years. You know, yeah. they they go, oh, uh, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, 26 years. God, I'm fucking old. <laughs> um, no, for they, they, you know, the Blue Bloods, right? What, what are they? Is that what they were called? Yes. Yeah. So yes, uh, well, Stephen Regal and uh, Beautiful Bobby. Yeah, but he R. went R. by like Earl Robert Eaton, I think. Yeah, is what he went. Yeah, um, so yeah. so the Nasty Boys challenged them next. Well, you're the champions. You shouldn't be setting the next match. You should be sitting back with your feet up. But it's been happening forever. So stop complaining about it today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, those nasty boys, man, they just go against the grain. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. But yeah, it's like for for me, without really any like nostalgia factor, for me to be able to enjoy these guys like and using 2021 lenses, that says something about how effective they were. Absolutely. Um, even though they're in their hometown here, but wherever they went, they were over. So they were not from the streets and they're not in the streets of New York City. It's not their hometown. No. Well, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> Dude, knobs. I was like, he said it like twice. Oh yeah. Let me tell you something. I was like, okay, that's got to be it. And then he said it like two two more times. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but everybody loved it. So who am I? Who am I? Oh uh, man. But the next ugh, the next match is uh pretty much the start of something uh pretty awful for WCW. At least that's what I've heard. Uh, so we got the man with no name versus Kevin Sullivan. Uh, the man with no name, a.k.a. Brutus Beefcake, a.k.a. The Butcher, a.k.a. fucking uh, what was he in the Dungeon of Doom? He wasn't Shark. He was. Uh, I don't remember. Who gives a shit? But basically, this is uh, kind of a precursor to the Dungeon of Doom. The Apostle. Wasn't sure. he the Apostle at some point? You, you could literally say anything and I'd yeah, be like, right. yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> There's a motherfucker named Shark in it. Like yeah. anything's possible. Hey. John Tenta was the man. <laughs> Shark was not, though. <laughs> um, so the, before the match, we get this really bizarre promo from Kevin Sullivan, who's kind of just wandering aimlessly uh, backstage as Mean Gene's trying to interview him. And Kev, Kevin Sullivan's rambling about something, but he keeps going, oh, is it cold in here or is it just me? And Mean Gene's like, well, no, it's got to be 85 or 90 somebody check on the temperature like he's spending so much time like letting us know what the specific temperature is it's like we get it it's warm um but the match happens so kevin sullivan comes out butcher comes out uh butcher comes out uh red hot i mean the match is what it is it's not really the match isn't the story here uh but it comes to a fi- 
the finish just made me laugh. Um, Butcher's penis takes a pounding here. <laughs> so he's basically going for a, like a, a splash in the corner onto Kevin Sullivan. But Sullivan gets out of the way and uh, the man with no name, the, the bump that he takes, he just goes dick first into the top turnbuckle. Um, and then Kevin Sullivan, you know, wraps him, turns him upside down, puts him in a tree of woe and then gives him a knee to the penis. Um, and then butchers on the ground. Kevin Sullivan does a double stomp and that uh, gives him the win. So uh, a weird match, weird finish, but an even weirder uh, post match deal here. So uh, a man appears on the uh, Titan Tron screen there. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you know who this guy is? Can, can you paint a picture of no, what this guy kind of looked and like? The only, the only thing. The only thing I equated it to was when Oz debuted, but I believe that was way before this. I, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Diesel in 95 was, was he, wasn't he champion? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So I know I, it threw me off because that's all I can think of. Yeah. Whatever that guy in the vines saying, whatever the fuck he was saying, I, I had no clue. Yeah, it was like, I don't even know how to compete. He's like a, like a fat Mr. Fuji kind of looking guy, <laughs> I guess. Sense. <laughs> he seemed like he was supposed to be, I don't know if he's supposed to be made of stone or what the deal was, but it's pretty much, at least from what I understand, because this is a whole era I've never seen, but from what I understand, this is kind of setting up the dungeon of doom. So, uh, the guy that's on the screen is talking about Hulk Hogan. He's rambling about something. And then, uh, Kay says, Sullivan, come forward, my son. And but Sullivan's like petrified. He runs away. He, you know, gets into the crowd. He jumps the barricade because he doesn't want to go up the ramp to the screen, I guess. Um, yeah, but and then we get another element of the Dungeon of Doom later in the show. But uh, as far as this match goes, any other any other thoughts? No, no, I'd, I've never once in my life had any appreciation for Kevin Sullivan. Um, nothing I've ever no yeah and nothing i've ever seen of his was i ever like oh my god i'm terrified or oh my god this is awesome like is is always like what the fuck is this guy doing here um and then come <laughs> to find out when i got older he was one of the head bookers he you know he was in charge yeah. of the pencil so when when you look back at on that way okay so what was he doing he definitely always did something different than anyone else right i still don't fucking like it none of it i just I mean, the only notes I have for this match is I hate Kevin Sullivan. That's it. He's, he's, I, I, I got nothing for him. I, I don't know. He's just not good. He's like, I'm sure because from what I understand in his earlier days, he had that more like demonic kind of character, which I guess maybe in the time it was something that felt fresh and maybe it was interesting at the time. But everything that I've seen from him in WCW has just been like he had a string of matches with his brother that were all awful. He's had matches with Cactus Jack that were awful. He's seemingly on every pay-per-view for no, a bit. Like you said, he's, I don't know if he's the head booker or what his official title is, but I know he's right. involved in it somehow. So yeah, I'm with you there for sure. Uh, but the man with no name, you have any of his merch or anything? Any t-shirts? Um, no, but I have my own t-shirts at twtakepodcast.com slash twts. Oh man, this hey, guy's you, a professional. You you teed it up. <laughs> I'm ready for you no, to leave the you, room now. <laughs> listen, I'll say as a kid, as a kid, the alliteration of Brutus the Barber Beefcake sticks with you. So he he definitely he had me there. And you know, that point in the nineties, just a couple years before, and even Macho Man Tonight, 
the frills, the colors, all that shit, it brings you right in as a kid. So I remember being, I remember not a beefcake fan, but like, oh, there's beefcake. Like, I got to see him on TV. Like, my kid, he was always attracted uh, uh, um, optically to Kalisto, right? He comes yeah, out, yeah. lucha, lucha, and he does the flips, and he's got all the stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like he, he would never watch a match. But the second he heard the song and saw the guy, so like as a kid, that's what Beefcake was for me. I seen him, I was like, oh shit, there's Beefcake. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you one match he ever had. Um, <laughs> even this one, I'm not even sure he had this match. So other than that, I, yeah, you know, that's whatever. That's him. No name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and what a legacy. What a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, this show's pretty good. But it could use some Dick Murdoch and it could use some Wahoo McDaniel. Well, thankfully, we got it. So Slamboree is, I guess, typically a, a, leg- a Legends reunion, I think is the tagline. So this is the uh, Legends match, quote unquote, of the uh, of the show. And they even they, they put it in black and white, you know, a little NWO foreshadowing. Um, and they have Gordon Soley. On commentary, so really just taking you back, I guess, because uh, you're an older gentleman, so you probably you probably it's probably probably brought back fond memories for you. No, um, <laughs> no, I'm not that old. I'm not that. Uh, old you know, anybody all. older, anybody older than me had yeah, at the uh, the, yeah, the right. bunny years. TVs, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> click, um, click, 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 click. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, this match, it is what it, I'm a. Do you know how old these guys were here? By the way, um. If I had to guess, if I had to guess without looking up, uh, probably 43 and 46. Wow. OK, I uh, so Dick Dick Murdoch is 48. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel is 55. OK, that's the I would have guessed a lot older, but I well, guess I've been, Dick Murdoch. Yeah, I've been having theories lately about age specifically, because even myself, I'm 36. When I was when I was 10, 36 looked old as fuck. And it's because yeah. they used to sit in offices smoking all day. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the way lifestyles have changed so much, especially with even just cigarette smoking being out of restaurants, because I grew up in smoking sections and all that shit that doesn't exist anymore. So these guys, yeah. um, I always assume when I see people who are older from older footage, they're actually younger than what they look like. So that's why I went that route. Mm. It's calculated. It was calculated. Uh, I see. I see. You <laughs> thought about this. I get it. I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, it's crazy when you see guys like Jericho wrestling at, what is he, 51 now? Something like that, yeah. Um, even guys like like Finn Balor, AJ Styles, who are up there in age, and you could, they could be 20, and you'd believe them. Uh, but we got Dick Murdoch and Wahoo McDaniel just rolling around like assholes out here. No, it was fun to see because it's it's not designed to be a five star match or anything. Right. I just kind of kind of getting them out there, and the crowd wasn't really into it. But you know, who can blame them? I guess. Uh, Dick Dick Murdoch selling. This is my main takeaway. Dick Murdoch selling was hilarious <laughs> in this match. He like every every time he got hit with anything, it's like he got shot with a with a gun. <laughs> like <laughs> the arm drags, which to be fair, maybe it did fucking hurt. I mean. At this stage in his life, because he he passed away like a year after this. Right, right. He would take an arm drag and then be down for like two minutes, and then he would uh, get get like a shot, just a punch to the face, and he would be like Bambi on roller skates, like back it up to the to the corner. Um, but ultimately, Wahoo McDaniel wins with a chop, just a chop to the chest. 
But uh, that, that was a finisher back back in the day, I guess. Hey, the original Walter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never once compared Wahoo McDaniel to Walter, but here we are. Here we are. You're welcome. <laughs> that's what you bring. That's that's what terrible takes Ter- brings. Terrible to wrestling it. takes all day. <laughs> <laughs> Live in the gimmick, brother. I love it. Uh, but yeah, this match was here. It was fine. It was it was it did what it was designed to do, I guess. And I, yeah, I wasn't I thought, too offended by it. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I mean, you know, I get it too. Um, not everything's for everyone, and I would imagine that that wasn't for me either. Um, but I I was on such a high from the Nasty Boys and skipping past the Kevin Sullivan stuff. <laughs> when this came up, I was like, okay, let me go for the ride. Number one, sorry, I can burn in hell for this, but Gordon Sully on commentary, I'm good. I, I didn't need it at all. It completely... You didn't like him? No, it drove down any enthusiasm I could have had. He's very monotone and direct to the point. I think you yeah. just have to be from that era to care. Um, and I right. didn't. Um, but I did, I did like what happened. Like, no, I didn't like the match either. I agree with you, but... I mean, and that what what really sucked for me is I know we can't do this today. We can't have a, um, I mean, shit. We can barely have an Undertaker match without people criticizing it, or a Goldberg match without people criticizing it. But yeah. if we, I mean, people are like, oh, we're gonna get Sting and Ric Flair in AEW. Um, nobody really wants that. But if they did it like this, with like an ode to the old school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really cool. I just don't think something like this could happen today. And that kind of pissed me off more than anything else. I was like, man, this has a really cool vibe, but there's no yeah. way they would let it happen. Right. Like like here it's presented like a, a different segment, like a different. Exactly. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not canon with everything else that's happening. It's right. its own separate thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, but, yeah, Gordon, yeah, Gordon Soley, I, I wouldn't say he's uh, his energy was his forte but i don't know i just like listening to him talk uh, maybe 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 commentary isn't what uh i i need him in but so something about his voice it just uh but we'll get more of it in the uh the hall of fame ceremony so don't worry we're not done with gordon Soli. i, I know think his worried. voice worked there i just didn't like it on commentary yeah yeah for sure um but after that we have the iwgp championship on the line which is fun because uh you know like i said uh, in the beginning, WCW and New Japan working together here in this era. So we got the uh, their world title on the line and their champion, Great Muda versus Paul Orndorff. Man, this show is just riddled with guys who have passed away in the past few months. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Paul Paul Orndorff versus Great Muda, which is like a match that doesn't seem like it happened, but it did here. Uh, Muda comes out to just drums, which I thought was pretty badass. Um, so the match, the match, it wasn't, you know, it was what it was. So Muda's, the story here is Muda's out wrestling Orndorff in the beginning, whether it's with the chain wrestling or, or with the, with the strikes, uh, Eric Bischoff is damn near busting a nut on commentary, talking about all his kicks and cause he's a karate man himself, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, so he's loving it, but, uh, Orndorff eventually gets the upper hand with a backdrop suplex and then uh, throws him to the outside, starts choking him with a camera cord, like really good intensity from I Paul I missed Orndorf. that spot. I missed that spot. Did you? I, no, I'm saying like in today's wrestling, I missed that oh, spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, right. That was such a staple in the mid-90s, the camera cord spot. And yeah. it just doesn't exist now because 
most cameras are um, wireless. Oh, yeah. um, and back then, I mean, there was like 150 foot of cable per camera. Uh, there was right. so much of it. Uh, so I, as a fan, I miss watching that. Yeah, nowadays you just gotta find someone's tie and choke <laughs> yeah. them with it, and then get fired. So it's it's a different time, different time. Uh, but yeah, Orndorff was so he's such a good heel. Like I mean, that's his claim to fame, obviously. Um, but really played into this match well versus like a like an athlete and great Muda. So that was kind of what he needed to kind of gain the advantage in this match. Uh, let me ask you this: who who had the better elbow drop, Great Muda? Is his like pendulum elbow or uh, Paul Orndorff's, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the, the shake, rattle and roll kind of elbow he does. Uh, it wasn't Orndorff. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I know. I'm saying I, my choice is not. Oh, Orndorff. okay. <laughs> I was like, I saw it. Sorry, I got so no, offended when I, there. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say Jerry Sags, but. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of body behind the elbow drop. No, I, look, I again, the only, so, so short on the commentary for this match for me. I just said outstanding match. I was captivated. Yeah. I, was, I was captivated watching the match because, you know, in in today's era where, you know, you can pick a winner from the beginning. And sure, you could at this too, right? It's a Japanese title. It's not in Japan. The Japanese guy's going to win, right? Mm-hmm. But watching the match, you go f- along for the ride, and like you're saying, how it was set up, you know, differently in the beginning, and then towards the middle, Orndorff gets his thing going. I just, I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? I got, I got, I was stuck inside the match. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that <laughs> I, I noticed the the Orndorff thing too. I'm like, man, maybe old guys shouldn't uh, shouldn't dance. You know, like <laughs> just, that was my thought when I saw it. I was like, that's your hey, takeaway. Yeah, that, that's your dancer. one bullet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. Yeah, so I definitely enjoyed the, the like the first half more than the last half. It kind of came to a halt. Uh, Orndorff, you know, kind of just put Muda in a headlock for what seemed like forever. Uh, but Muda fights back, kind of out of nowhere, hits a backbreaker, and then his patented moonsault for the win. So Muda retains the title. Man, I would have loved to see Paul Orndorff as IWGP champion. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, you got Paul Orndorff, Kenny Omega, same same thing. So yeah, but yeah, Scott like Gordon. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> They're all, they're all under the same vein, I think. Um, but after that, we have another title match, the WCW television title. So we have the champion Arn Anderson versus Alex Wright, the Wunderkind. Uh, when I saw the card before the show, this is the one that stuck out to me. Like, oh, man, this is going to be a banger. Um, I think I had higher expectations than what unfolded in reality, but um, still a pretty solid match. Uh, so at this point, Alex Wright, still very new. Uh, he's actually undefeated coming into this match. Um, and then obviously, you have Arn Anderson, the champion. And kind of a similar story to the last match where, like, every time Arn would get a hold of Wright, he would, like, do some crazy flip to get out of it. Like, definitely ahead of his time, Alex Wright, at least, like, in America. But the, the, the ending stretch of this match was pretty fun. So Alex Wright hits a huge missile drop kick from the top rope. Uh, he whips Arn into the ropes, but Arn counters into a small package, uh, and then Wright counters into his own uh, his, his own pin kick out. Really good false finishes here, uh, but Arn fights back. At some point, he rakes him in the eye, um, and then hits his beautiful I don't know what you call it his like pump fake DDT that he does just just beautiful. Um, that gives him the win. So Arn Anderson defeats Alex Wright, retains the title, and uh, gives him 
gives the Wunderkind his first loss in WCW. Uh, like I said, pretty solid match, but for some reason, I think I had higher hopes for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, shit, 10-year-old me, uh, now that we go back to it, I was watching WCW at this time because I mm-hmm. remember Alex Wright and his debut. And um, I don't necessarily remember the streak being a big thing, but I remember the dancing, the the style of wrestling. Um, and it's weird because in today's wrestling, hold on, I'm, I'm, I was actually just watching the main event while we were starting, and now Peacock's going to do its Peacock thing. No. <laughs> Fuck, I can't stand Peacock. It's Peacock worst. stay Peacock in, man. Yeah. Um, no, like, I remember, I just remember him being charismatic. And he was, mm-hmm. as you saw with the Nasty Boys early on, I think the crowd was on like 10 year old me's level. You know, they loved yeah, Alex yeah. Wright in this match. Um, he's, I, I agree with you. He was ahead of his time. And unfortunately, cause in today's wrestling, you gotta, you get a guy like Arn Anderson, um, albeit let's say like, eh, like, a, like a Randy Orton. And then you mix him with a guy like a ricochet and yeah. you get a better match than what we got here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of maybe what the expectations were, but yeah. uh, it's, it was still good, still solid. I thought it was, uh, you know, maybe match number three for me on the night. But yeah, for sure. What did uh, what did Alex Wright's dance look like? No. I forget. No. <laughs> I had to try. <laughs> I have to pay you your uh, rewind. <laughs> I have to pay. I have to pay your other rate for that. No, uh, just buy a shirt. Tvtakespodcast dot com slash twts. Uh, I'll, I'll buy a shirt to see you do that. <laughs> if I buy two, will you do it shirtless? I'll do it in the shirt that you buy and then send it to you. Okay. <laughs> that seems like I need to use Bitcoin to buy that. Oh, man. But fuck. Some of the matches on these this, this show just like make me laugh looking at it. So the next yeah. match, we got Road Warrior Hawk versus Meng. Uh... <laughs> So apparently this is like a last minute addition, which when you see the match, it's pretty clear that it was. I mean, I don't know. The match is maybe like two minutes of them slapping the shit out of each other. And then it's a double count out. <laughs> so no guy wanted to lose, I guess. So hey, let's send these big jacked up steroid bastards out there and have them hit each other really hard and then just go home. Um, it was fun right. for what it was, but, you know, flat finish, just to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, and it, that's the thing, because so I, I believe um, Ming was being portrayed as just coming to the company. So yeah, it was if you don't watch WWF, then it would have been your first time seeing the guy. So I guess in that context, let's get one of the craziest motherfuckers that everybody knows to go against the crazy mm-hmm. motherfucker nobody knows and see what happens. So I, you know, in that context, it makes sense revisionist history we both know who they are you know everybody mm. knows who these two are so it does seem weird that way but i thought the way that they kind of like threaded it in the night um it just was what it was um to to go back and look at that amazing meng versus road warrior hawk match uh, <laughs> i don't think you would get that anyway <laughs> you don't think that's on a dvd somewhere best of <sighs> no, no best of ming <laughs> i'd buy the shit out of that dvd <laughs> Just him facing Jim Duggan every other month. God, fuck. I'm, I, if I could say it, you know, that's why I enjoyed this show, because Jim Duggan didn't wrestle on it. 
I, I like I just pinpointed it. Oh, I'd rather get Wahoo McDaniel than Jim Duggan. Let me tell you. But speaking of Wahoo, he's back here for the Hall of Fame inductions. So this is like the big thing here at Slambury that they do all the time where uh, they induct people into the Hall of Fame, the WCW Hall of Fame. So we got Wahoo McDaniel, Terry Funk, Angelo Poffo, Antonio Inoki, Big John Studd, who had just passed away a few months before this, and Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty Rhodes, as he's given his speech, because every guy that comes out, they give a little, whatever, two or three minute speech. Uh, but Dusty Rhodes gives us a, a surprise seventh induction. Gordon Soley, who Gordon, I should have said, he was, you know, the guy moderating everything and presenting all the awards and stuff. Um, I don't know if he was clued in on it before, um, but whether, whatever it was, you could definitely see the emotion on Gordon Soley. You could tell he was definitely uh, soaking it all up, but it was it was what it was. I mean, did anything stick out to you in this segment here? Um, a couple things. Uh, first time through, I couldn't get through it, so I had to fast forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it just I, you know, and plus the time crunch and all that shit. I'm trying to. Uh, you know, make sure that we're simpatico on on this cast for your show. I'm trying to be respectful enough to oh, at least try it. to watch as much as I can. But in the time crunches I had, I did not have time for this shit um, at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, to to piggyback on a couple of things you said, I, I do think Gordon Soli was genuinely surprised. He seemed genuinely surprised. And the fact that he talked basically all night and didn't have the words, I was like, you know what? I right. Good for him. Good for him. So at that point, I was glad to see Gordon Soli. Um, the other thing that stood out was some little 10 year old shithead there with the most amazing 90s rat tail of all time. <laughs> um, I believe his name is Cody. Oh, yeah. It didn't really matter. I don't think yeah, he probably didn't turn out to be anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> just some nepotism along the way. Right. His dad's just a, Dusty just a, Rhodes, so. a healthy dollop. Yeah. I've never heard anybody. <laughs> It was, it was funny because we were talking about it earlier, but Cody Rhodes, he looked exactly. So picture him whenever he came to WWE, whatever it was, 2009 or something. So picture that, make it half the height, but make his face like twice the girth. <laughs> and that, that, that that's what you got. Hopefully that paints a picture of what we got here. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I actually almost fast forwarded this myself, but I was at a point where I was like, ah, I'm, I'm done for the night. I'll just fuck around on my phone. I just kept listening to it and it was like, whatever, I'll just finish the show out. But um, good moment for these guys, I suppose. Uh, but after this, we have a lights out match between Sting and Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, they never really explained what a lights out match is, but I guess it's just a no DQ match. Um, Sting comes out with a table like above his head, just kind of walking out with it. And it's funny to see like, cause this is before like ECW was using tables, but in the mainstream, you didn't really see table spots, at least not that off, not very often at all. So it's, it's funny to see guys in 1995 figure out how to use tables. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they're like, like the table that's get, that's brought out. Right. It's, it's not, it's not a gimmicked table by any means. It's just like, they literally like, had catering and they just like swipe the food off or like hey let's use say, this it damn sure ain't a new table either <laughs> no the it top of that like table a, was beat the shit they use that i couldn't fun. tell if it's like a like a plastic <laughs> table or if it's just a shitty wood they like yeah like you said yeah i think they just worn down the wood on it <laughs> it's an old fucking table yeah but um 
So Sting and Big Bubba Rogers, they had a show at the la- or a match at the last show that was fucking awful. So I came into this match with those expectations. So this one blew blew my expectations away. Um, wasn't anything you know super you know amazing, but it also wasn't too long. And they with the time they had, they used it efficiently. There wasn't a lot of lollygagging. Uh, like in the beginning, they're fighting on the they like I said, they're using the table. But it's not set up. It's just flat on the ground and they're like slamming each other on it, which is like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, sure, I guess. Um, But at some point, Bubba uh, channels Mr. Fuji and throws a white dust into the eyes of Sting to take advantage. What a heel. What a heel. Uh, Then inside the ring, Bubba sets up that table finally in the corner, throws Sting into it. But like I said, it's not like a. You know, he throws him into it and then the table just explodes into a million pieces like it does today. It just kind of bounces off the table. Um, But it looked brutal, I guess. Uh, Boss man takes off his belt and whips Sting with it. Yes, daddy. And then a (laughs) boss man slam for two. Sting fights back eventually, knocks down Bubba, puts the table on top of Bubba, does a double stomp. And then locks in the scorpion deathlock for the win. So Bubba submits. And uh, yeah, for what it was, it was pretty fun. I they, they had the table. Uh, maybe they could have done a little bit more than just a table. But for Sting and Big Bubba Rogers, I think that's uh, that's more than you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, again, I think I think what you you alluded to. And honestly, that's kind of the way I, I started to enjoy your show is it's fun for what it was. You know, you watch yeah. you you take such a unique perspective on this era um you don't criticize it because they're not doing what wrestlers of today do you appreciate it for what it is and i think taking something like the wahoo and dick murdoch match or even this lights out match fucking bubba rogers and sting like i was a boss man kid yeah i thought his gimmick was phenomenal um Mm -hmm. you know and every kid loves sting because of the colors and all that shit so when you see something like this, and again, the crowd itself, it's like, okay, for exactly what it was, it served a purpose. The match yep. didn't suck. Um, you know, the way cameras were back then, they didn't catch everything. So, right. you know, like you said, the white dust, it all it all just made sense. Was it great? No. But I don't think anything in 95 was great. No. So you're watching it for what it is, and for what it is, yeah, there's no point in shitting on it just to shit on it. I'd... Yeah, it was it was well done. It was well done. Yeah, the crowd the crowd loved it. So yeah. obviously for the time, it worked in some way. Um, so you said you're a boss man guy. Uh, were you? Uh, did you did you like the guardian angel at all? No, because I didn't see him. Yeah, I didn't see him. I missed that part of uh, Ray Trailer. Much I believe you his didn't name miss is. Anything. Yeah, yeah. The only things I remember Bubba Rogers, and I remember of course. Uh, blue shirt boss man and mm-hmm. SWAT team boss man. But I that's don't, the boss man I grew up with. Yeah. SWAT team boss man. Yeah. SWAT team boss man was legit. Yeah. Until, yeah. uh, until what he, he fed big show, his dog. Is that what the, he fed Al snow, Al his, snow dog, his dog yeah. and then, uh, dragged big show's dad's casket right. through the, uh, yeah. 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 Sorry. I got those stories mixed up, man. <laughs> Wrestling. Am I right? <laughs> We're talking shit about 1995, but man, right. 99, not right. much better in some right. way. But yeah, no, Bossman was legit. I think, um, honestly, because he worked 
the way he did as a wrestler, I think he's extremely underrated when it comes to like best big men of all time. Because I mean, he's yeah. legit like six, 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 seven, and just fucking massive, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, he's great. And he yeah, he had a really good promo. I didn't bring it up because it was kind of a not too much substance to it. But earlier in the show, he had a promo and it was like out of because we brought up with the nasty boys. It's all like, well, let me tell you something. I'm going to let my biceps. I think Hulk Hogan had a promo where he was talking about his tri- new tricep vein. Like it was shit like that. Oh, the he asked man, to smell the Slim Jim breath. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> he said, let me smell that Slim Jim breath. And then Macho Man breathes in his face. What the fuck are we watching? <laughs> was, man, we could have just done a whole podcast on that promo, honestly. How, don't worry, you, you don't know how many Slim Jims Macho has been snapping into, dude. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? Um, but, uh, yeah, man. So uh, that brings us to the main event. <laughs> <laughs> no better segue than that. <laughs> but the promo, you said something about the promo. I'm, I'm oh, curious no, what boss, your take I was. No, it was just, it was, it was a very yeah. out of place, good promo from boss man. Like very deliberate. Not, I mean, he was still yelling, but it was like articulate, which gotcha. is not what I remember boss man being, but maybe just in comparison to Hulk Hogan blathering on about his tricep vein. I think he, what he say? He has, I got some new hoses, brother. And he's yeah. spending the whole yeah. <laughs> fucking Hulk Hogan, man. <laughs> Uh, but that brings us to the main event. It's a tag team match. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart and Renegade uh, versus Ric Flair and Vader with Arn Anderson. Uh, so did you catch what? So the H- Hogan, Savage, Jimmy Hart, Renegade. Did you catch what their little faction name was? Um, it. It, it's all a blur. I mean, they mentioned this tag team matchup, what, like 185 times through the night. They kept mm-hmm. reminding you that this was going to happen. And remember, back then it's a pay-per-view. So you yeah. actually bought it to watch it. You know yep. what's coming. You don't need to be reminded. Also, you're not changing the fucking channel and missing something. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of by the end of the night, I was just so worn out, especially after because... Uh, <laughs> They, they each side had promos. I was just like, uh, and like I told you, I had to respect at least the matches. There's only so much. Yeah. So, no, I missed what they called themselves. The Monster Maniacs. Come on. It's good, right? Come on. That's some good shit, pal. Let Monster me t- Maniacs. <laughs> I don't Jesus. even know why. Why? I don't understand, really. It's not even Halloween Havoc. Yeah. Who's a, who's a monster here? Is right. Renegade a monster? Is that what is that what his gimmick is? Can you can you explain Renegade for me? No, can, can you? I can't. Okay, because <laughs> he like oh, I don't know. He that's is the whole thing. He is fake Diesel, fake Razor to Ultimate Warrior. They, they, they are so like. Except there's only one Glenn Jacobs. So yeah, exactly. But Renegade, so the Monster Maniacs come out, and they're <laughs> half with. How dare you? First of all. I will not have you besmirching the name of the Monster Maniacs. <laughs> You've had zero Slim Jims, I bet. You'll know what you don't even have a, a leg. Maybe stand that's on. the problem. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> uh, but so but they're halfway down the aisle, coming down to the ring. And some huge gentleman steps out from behind the curtain on the stage. 
uh, a really a, a big, big man. Some might even call him giant. Uh, steps out from the curtain, kind of just looks. It almost seemed like a botch. I don't think it was, but it almost like he like came out too early. <laughs> well, I have a different take on that. So I paid attention yeah, to this because, of course, we know who it, it ends up being. But the I do think the first one was a botch because when when Hogan and Macho Man come out, this figure is like in the backpack, just a silhouette. He didn't actually come out yet. He comes out during the match when you actually see him, unless he did come out Mm -hmm. after they get to the ring. But the first time we see the silhouette, it was as if commentary didn't realize they were supposed to say something. And even like Hogan and Macho Man are looking back like, is it time to look back yet? It was fucking weird. It was really fucking weird. But being who it was, I'm actually not surprised because if you listen to any interview from that guy, um, he fully admits he didn't understand the business for like fucking 12 years. So I would not right. be surprised if night one, he fucks some shit up. Well, no, night one, he wins the world title, I well, believe, right? Well, wouldn't this be night one? This doesn't count. This doesn't count. <laughs> I, I, oh, I don't it fucking count. counts. <laughs> no, no, the big show's coming out here wearing a, a gold... <laughs> I don't know where to stand. <laughs> See, so uh, he comes out. He has like he has slacks, black slacks, and a gold shiny vest. What That's is it. his character supposed to be right here? He's this dude's Andre the Giant's son, right? Right, right, folks. Because they're both big. Oh my they're God. both they're both giants. Uh. And I don't know if because he goes into the Dungeon of Doom. I don't know if that's the plan here. But with up with how, you know, the earlier stuff with Kevin Sullivan, how they kind of mentioned Hulk Hogan then. So now there's the Giants appearing in Hulk Hogan's match. I guess that's probably the plan for him to join the Dungeon of Doom. But uh, I question why he's coming out here in sunglasses. <laughs> Paul, Paul, too cool for school white coming out here. <laughs> trying to like it's like he just discovered what wrestling is and he like saw rick flair promo one time he's like yep that's me <laughs> but whatever so the match we, we're, we're kind of like shitting on the <laughs> that whole deal there but the match is actually really fun it's a really fun watch um even though renegade gets his own entrance for some reason out the oh man i'm trying to get on too much of a tangent here but renegade fuck the renegade first of all i, I know what happened you know i don't want to speak ill but fuck the renegade. Uh, he comes out with his own entrance. Doesn't know how to run. Um, I don't know if he knows how because he doesn't do any offense at any point. He just chases people away and yells at the sky. So I don't know if they just didn't trust him to do working punches on their top guys or if he's just there to be like Ultimate Warrior. Uh, you a big renegade fan? No, no, because I remember. Good. I remember watching it because. Again, as a kid, you, I mean, there was no one cooler than the Ultimate Warrior. Like, mm-hmm. and I remember um, specifically the title versus title match at, at WrestleMania being such a fun memory as a kid. Because, uh, you know, just, well, anyway, um, it was, it was so dope. So when the illusion that Renegade was actually a repackaged Ultimate Warrior, I was like, fucking awesome. And then I look at the guy and I go, not only are you not the ultimate warrior, but like, you don't even fucking look like him. 
Like not even close. Right. <laughs> it's it's cosplay. Like try to perm his hair as close to his eyebrows as possible so you can't see the rest of them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. If he's uh if he just stays in motion, you can kind of imagine that he looks like Ultimate Warrior, which I guess is why he's sprinting around the ring like an asshole this whole time. <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so Flair, the match gets underway. Flair and Vader are bumping their asses off for Hogan and Macho Man. Uh, at one point, Hogan puts Flair in a figure four. Um, but then while he has this move on, Arn Anderson gets involved from the outside and Hogan decides to put a small package onto Arn Anderson. That's his defense. But all while maintaining the figure four. So it's like, man, we're seeing some some Zack Sabre Jr. like wrestling from Hulk Hogan here. Um, but oh, this is also the match where it's at. I don't know if you've seen this, but I see this gif all the time where Flair is on the apron and Hogan's on the apron. Hogan gives Flair a big boot and Flair like flops on the apron, runs to on the floor, like halfway down the aisle and does this Ric Flair flop. Oh, I popped hard for that. Um, I think it's at that point where because uh, like Arn Arn gets in there, he distracts Hogan. Uh, Flair gets in there, hits him with a chop block. Then this allows Flair, uh, Vader to start smothering Hogan. So the heels have the advantage for a little bit. And I think it's at this point where the giant comes out where you, they finally zoom in on him, and you can see who he is. Um, but nobody knows who he is at this point, obviously, but you can see him clearly at least. Um, but he plays no part in the match. He just kind of comes out, looks and then walks to the back. Um, also in this match, I actually just posted this on Twitter, but Vader hits the most brutal fucking moonsault I've ever seen in my life. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah. He like landed on his head, right? I don't even, I don't think he did. No, he landed flush. Okay. But he just landed so flush and he's 400 pounds. So he just crushes macho man. Um, I mean, it's, it's a great looking moonsault, but I can't imagine it's great to, uh, to take, uh, but ultimately, it's a Hogan match, so you know what we're going to get. He gets the hot tag. He uh, he body slams Vader, beats on Ric Flair. Um, but that, that goddamn Arn Anderson gets involved again. He trips up Hogan. Uh, Flair holds Hogan for Arn to give him like a double axe handle from the top rope. But Arn accidentally hits Flair. Hogan gets out of the way. Uh, Hogan throws Arn out of the ring, gives Ric Flair the leg drop. Bing, bing, boom. Hulk Hogan wins and the monster maniacs come out victorious. Uh, but then after the match, Vader and Flair attack and uh, Angelo Poffo, who's ringside, because remember, he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And for anybody underwear, this is uh, Macho Man's father. Uh, right. It's his father. Right? Yeah, it's his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets involved to try to make the save. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, Ric Flair ends up putting pa- uh, Angelo in the figure four and uh, the show ends basically with Macho Man crying and Eric Bischoff calling for an ambulance. So Slambery 95. Send <laughs> yeah, him home but, happy, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of that whole main event deal? Um, You know, I've I've learned not to like Hogan now, and it, it really yeah. bothers me watching his old stuff because you see. You see how catered to he was um mm-hmm. and i was never a flair guy and and i get how funny the walk away fall down stuff is 
But that's part of the reason why I never liked him. Like it was always too much. Yeah. If he was if he was Hogan size and he did that for someone Flair size, it makes sense. But like you're half Hogan size, he should beat the shit out of you. You mm-hmm. should fall down. Um, so doing the extra stuff, it always just felt weird to me. So I never really dug it. Um, the match itself, I did think was really fucking fun. Uh, Vader and Macho Man seemed I, in this match it seemed like they really liked working with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Macho Man, for as much as everybody loves his technical wrestling, I think he has amazing punches. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, I thought it was status quo from all four. I mean, for Vader to be the fourth best in that match you got to have like a top good three and you have three of the best. So, um, you know, it was, it was really good. It was a little get your shit in gratuitous, but definitely Mm. again, when you look at the times, get your shit in wasn't a thing. That's not something that fans knew. So if you're watching a Vader match, you want to see a Vader salt, you want to see a Vader bomb. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you're watching a Macho Man match, you want to see him, with the hot tag, go nuts. Get on that top rope. If you're watching a Hogan match, you want to see the boot and the leg drop, Ric Flair, figure four, fall down on your face. So we got all the good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so why complain? You know, it's uh, it was there. You know, it was definitely good. Good for what it was. Good for when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, can't be disappointed. Wasn't my favorite match of the night, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, a, th- a theme here that I that I noticed watching this show, and this is only because I've been watching all these shows previous to this, is that none of the matches on this show seem to drag, at least not to a great extent. Because previous shows, you get like I brought up that Sting Big Bubba Rogers match from Unscripted. That match, it it was a chore to watch. But when you look at like this main event, for example, I mean, it couldn't have been longer than like fifteen minutes, right? For for a main event, I mean, this is pretty much the only. <laughs> At, I don't know, not only advertised match, but I mean, this this pay-per-view was built around this match. So they they did get their shit in, but I think they also made an efficient use of the, the time they were given. Crowd was into it the whole time. Uh, kind of a weird, uh, like you said, a weird way to end the pay-per-view. With, uh, but I guess it sets up uh, the main event for the next show, which I did look ahead a little bit. It's going to be Ric Flair versus Macho Man. So creates a heated issue between the two. So uh, I see what they're going for. And you have Angelo Poffo there. So why not? Why not involve that? So, um, but yeah, all in all, Slamboree 95, it definitely exceeded my expectations for sure. Um, I remember I finished Unscripted, the previous show. And I was like, let me uncensored? let me see what the or uh, Yeah, sorry. Un- uncensored. Um and I was like, oh, let me look at the card for the next show. And I looked at it and I saw this main event and I was like, oh, God damn it. Because <laughs> we the main event of that show, it was Hogan versus Flair in a strap match. It was a really bad match with a really stupid finish. And it had all the same characters involved in some way. I was like, I don't want to see this again. But now that I, I watched it and I saw that this was significantly better, um, the whole show was was paced much better than previous shows. And, you know, like you said, for what it was, for the time that it was, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same, same. I did, again, when uh, <clears throat> when I first reached out to you to see if you had watched it yet as we were leading up to this, I was like, man, it just had no business being this good. It was just, mm-hmm. it was really enjoyable to watch. Um, I even put it on as a rewatch today. Um, didn't get a chance to finish everything before we started recording. But, again, it's not, it's not a labor to sit through. 
which I know a right. lot of this shit from back then. Because even the cool shit, like, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the Halloween Havocs where they have the set dressing and all that shit where you're captivated by more than just the matches. Um, mm-hmm. This one, it, it was all matches, all crowd reaction, uh, the way it was set up, whatever the arena was. <laughs> it was just set up perfect. They must they must run yeah. that one a lot back then. And uh, let me see. I, I pulled up the page. Uh, Bayfront Arena in St. Petersburg. So there's only 7,000 people in attendance. And, they, I mean, they made use of all the all the noise there. I, I thought it was so well done. Uh, just to point to what you it, it was clocked at 18 minutes and 57 seconds in the main event. Okay. So just under 19 minutes. But... Yeah, it didn't. It didn't lag, like you said. And when you said that, it, it it resonated with me because I think every pay per view today has a point where it's like, okay, is this done yet? Whether it's a backstage mm-hmm. segment or a gratuitous match that you know they threw on too quick or something that just doesn't make sense. Um, and this this really didn't have that. Even the gratuitous match they put on, like you said, um, <clears throat> Ming versus uh, Hawk was four minutes and to yeah. you it even felt like a minute two minutes so they definitely went quick and got their shit done um so well done to them yeah for sure yeah uh pretty yeah like you said an easy watch i mean this show is even like almost three hours but it didn't feel like it at all yeah. maybe other than the maybe other than the hall of fame stuff but we don't we don't talk about that um <laughs> but uh yeah bishop i appreciate you once again making the time to, to watch the show come on talk about it uh, terrible wrestling takes. Where can everybody follow you and listen to you? Um, at TW Takes Podcast on all social media. And if you want to check out the show, I just put the iHeartRadio stream on my website, TWTakesPodcast.com. So if you don't listen to podcasts and you just do YouTube and all that, that's fine. Um, if you do listen to podcasts, I'm on all platforms. If I'm not on your platform, please reach out on TW Takes Podcast. <clears throat> excuse me at TW takes podcast on Twitter is where I'm the most active uh, Bishop TW takes at gmail.com as well. Um, but I put the iHeartRadio stream on the website, TV takes podcast.com. So you don't have to download anything. Just click play. It's like the last five episodes. I just uploaded today. My commentary of the, or as of recording my commentary on what happened between Charlotte and Naya. Uh, the audio was a little bit off because I left my microphone uh, cord elsewhere when i was recording so um i had to do it through the headset so audio is a little bit off but it, my my terrible wrestling take on what happened between charlotte and naya i usually do uh recaps of wwe stuff um i'm trying to continue to give AEW a chance it doesn't quite work for me um but yes so find me there uh if you want some dope t-shirts tvtakespodcast.com slash twts i have the lowest prices the fastest shipping in any merch. If you don't believe me, check it out. Uh, test the shipping and uh, let me know how fast you get it. So, you hand deliver it, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. I will drive to your front door. Um, and yes, like I told you earlier, for an extra charge, I will wear it, do a dance, and then send it to you. Oh, okay. For as an long extremely as sp- extra charge, I'll show up <laughs> at your door and do the dance for you. Man, if you don't have an OnlyFans <laughs> up and running, you're you're missing out. You're leaving money on the table. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> got to grow that listenership. You got to. Yeah, you got to lay the foundation. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I just recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm hooked. I, I love, I think the Eva Marie one was the first one I listened to, um, where you're kind of responding to, what was it Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling? Yeah, good guys over there, too, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So you got you got really unique content over there. Uh, definitely worth a listen. In, in a in a world where there's so many wrestling podcasts, you do uh, what you can to kind of differentiate yourself. So much appreciated there. Yeah, absolutely. And same to you too. Um, I know I reached out to you not to you know prolong this or cut off the ending, but I, I definitely want to give you you know your props too. I think you do such a different take on uh, old school pay per views. You know, I, no, I appreciate it. I fully. Well, because as a, as a fan of back then, there's only so many times I can listen to a review show and people go, oh, well, this completely sucked. Where you were mm-hmm. like, hey, this isn't 2021. And I know that when I turn it on because I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so I appreciate that because it, it lends us as as fans from back then to still be respected for actually liking what we liked. You know, so I I appreciate that. And I'm that's a big reason why I came on today. Because I would absolutely uh, come on anytime you want to talk about shit from back then. Absolutely. I would love to have you on uh, again at some point. Uh, something back then, maybe something more modern. But uh, whatever it is, we'll 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 have a good time. But uh, yeah, man, that's all I got. Uh, once again, man, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Once again, thank you to Bishop from the Terrible Wrestling Takes podcast for joining me on this beautiful beautiful episode reminiscing about kevin sullivan and his delicious body <laughs> check him out at twtakespodcast.com follow him on twitter at twtakespodcast check out all my episodes at apronbump.com and hey if you listen to this you might be saying hey what an interesting era of wcw i sure would like to listen to you speak about it some more well I got you covered. Go to apronbump.com. Go to the episodes tab. Select WCW. And there's all my WCW episodes for you to enjoy or to have in the background as you take a bubble bath or whatever. Whatever people do when they listen to podcasts. I don't know. What do you what do you do? Don't let me don't let me tell you how to live your life. Let me tell you. Uh, but that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys. Once again, so much for listening. Smooches, smooches. Yeah. I'm hard.